found us. More podcast where we want you to know God more deeply. Find lasting freedom. Discover your destiny and make an eternal difference. Now. Well, welcome to this week's podcast. We're happy to have you here. Well, you know, the more podcast is now fortified with more vitamins and nutrition that you need to make your spiritual health even better. Just one weekly helping added to your current media diet, and you'll feel like a million gospel bucks. Now, just ask our current subscribers. Now, here to help me with your weekly dose of more goodness and part-time all-American taste tester of exotic foods, Pastor Gary. All right. There he is. And uh, sitting across from the uh, from Pastor Gary with an assist to make sure nothing gets missed during your visit with us, of course, me, Pastor Alex. Actually, I have your intro. Oh, right. let me hear. Okay, let me hear. Yeah, yeah. The only man to ever vacation on Wacker Drive, downtown Chicago, <laughs> Pastor Alex Norton. <laughs> that is so true, yeah. And with some of my many friends. Yes. Living in cardboard boxes. Look up Wacker Drive and you will learn what we're talking about. <laughs> it's not a good place. Uh, so, uh, before we started the podcast, you're coming in here huffing and puffing because you're working like a dog out in the pole barn, out in the pole barn, just moving some stuff around. We have a need for some storage space and, uh, things in the, uh, pole barn are an ever shifting glacial move of junk. And, uh, so we have to (laughs) move it around from time to time, get rid of things. And so I finally parted with the ever beloved, uh, Coffee Connections tables. Don't say it. Don't say it. They are now on the scrap heap. No. Yes. Uh, So if if you want. I was laying down the sacrificial (laughs) lamb this morning. I'm telling you. If you want the keepsake, you want the memorabilia, you know, come and dig in the trash. You'll find them. Yep. So. That's always uh, hard though. Yeah. Like 10 tables, 10 super solid, good tables that we've used. We bought them from Taparoonies, a restaurant that went out of business. Yeah. We repurposed them, refinished them. Super good quality tables, but they're so heavy and not fun to move around. And Nobody uh, wants to deal with them. And I saved them and saved them and saved them <laughs> until today they had to to go to the table heaven in the sky. You know, uh, you could you could maybe put those on Marketplace, man. People are buying stuff like crazy. Yeah, we have a scrapper here at Harbor Light that loves to steal, and these are super steal, so he's going to come pick them right up. <laughs> oh, good, good, yeah. good. Yeah, my uh, my wife today tells me, she goes, I have uh, somebody coming over to pick up uh, some little item that she had, like this gingerbread house, and she's like, they're going to show up, and they're gonna, I'm going to sell it to them in the parking lot. Okay. And I'm like, really? I said... <laughs> I said, really, when did this happen? She goes, oh, the other night I put it up, and this person right away said he wanted it. He'd been looking for one. And I'm like, so now we're doing, you know, parking lot deals here at Harbor Lake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how much she sold for that. I don't ever find that part out. I just know that it's gone. I, really, I don't care. Every as few long bucks as it goes, helps, right? Well, that's what we're doing in our house right now. We're, like, getting ready to have this large garage sale at our house, which means we're getting rid of everything. Yeah. And uh, my wife's like, well, you know, you're not going to get rid of this. You're not going to get rid of that. And I'm like, listen, I'm at the point in my life where I don't even care. Like, uh-huh. it, as long as it's not a book or something that I use for ministry or a musical piece of equipment, the rest uh-huh. can go. I don't really care. Uh-huh. You know what you guys should do is take all these tables home, put your garage sale on the tables, and then sell the tables. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> you could you buy the table and the stuff there on the you table. Go. One low price. Uh, yeah. So in my world too, uh, my wife and I, you know, we're still in constant construction at our house. And so, uh, we decided to put in a family closet. You ever heard one of those before? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. actually a pretty good idea, uh-huh. but we're getting so creative now. We figured out a way to put our wash and dryer in the same room where we have the closet. Okay. Now think of this convenience. You wash your clothes, dry them. And instead of having to put them back in the basket, 
you just take them right out of there, hang them right up, fold them, put them where oh, they're. Oh, wow. So the washing machine's in, the, yeah, in your closet. In the closet. Isn't that a brilliant idea? That's like an episode I saw on TV where the guy put a garbage disposal at the bottom of his uh, shower. <laughs> then he would eat in the shower. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Remember that one? That's a great idea. Well, yeah. you know, in our house, it's the hair clog. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Oh. And I'm getting, you know, I got blamed for it the other day. Yeah. And I'm like, my wife's talking to me. She's like, you know, that thing keeps clogging up all the time with all our hair. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yep. Not let's, our hair. Let's, let's be yeah. clear here. Let's let's talk about the two people in the house that have the hair, mm-hmm. not me. Mm-hmm. I have no hair on my head. Mm-hmm. And I I highly doubt that my beard hair is going to clog up a, yeah. a faucet or a, a drain. Okay. Well, you know, I was thinking about this week and I was looking at some interesting headlines that hit the airwaves. Uh, this is just nuts. Some of the stuff that happens around us during the summer. But it's something that, you know, might be on your radar if you're expecting something weird and strange to happen during the summer. And, of course, in more podcasts, we love to let you know about this kind of stuff. This is kind of like right in our wheelhouse. Uh, But Reuters, which is a very well-known news group, reported on three headlines that I thought would be interesting for our podcast listeners listeners to know about it. Uh, The first one, I don't know if you've heard this yet, but Apple is going to help us uh, improve our texting to make it a little easier. I don't know if you've ever tried to text on an Apple phone. I hate autocorrect already. Oh, yeah. It, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And so basically what they're doing is instead of, you know, autocorrect making up words for you, it's going to start learning how you type in there. Like if your thumb happens to go over too far in one of the letters so that the typical words that you use on a regular basis, it's going to start learning it. Okay. So it doesn't make the mistake. And uh, yeah, there were some interesting and funny phrases that people said. Uh, one of them was that some of the expletives they like to use were not being said the way they wrote them. And so they're like, great, now I can actually, I can actually swear at you and not have uh, autocorrect change it. Right. I don't think it's a problem for any of us believers, but yeah. you know, there are some things that I type and I'm like, why did I just say that? <laughs> you know, I get made fun of cause I actually use punctuation in my texting. Do you really? I do. Well, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's hard. It's yeah. a habit hard to, you know, hard to break. One of the things I do is that I miss words, right? I'm thinking the okay. sentence, okay. and I'll type it, or I think I type it, and then I don't type it. I would like autocorrect to fix that. I mean, uh-huh. it's pretty obvious the word I lost, you know, didn't use like two or a or whatever it is. I wish autocorrect would fix. I that. I hate the autocorrect where it will autocorrect something monstrously wrong. Yeah, but then you're only one letter off. It won't correct it. It's like, come on, <laughs> it doesn't even know the word right. <laughs> Unfound. <laughs> <laughs> the other day I was trying to type in the word convenience uh-huh. and I was off by a letter okay. and it kept telling me that word does not exist. I'm like, for real? And then when I finally looked it up on the internet, mm-hmm. I'm like, it's just one letter off. Just right. fix just it. Just one letter yeah. off and it couldn't figure it out. Come on. All right. So be ready for that. Your Apple phones will have an update where you'll be able to text better. So some of us with big fat fingers yep. will be able to, to type what we need to type. And if we're missing words, we'll be able to fix it. All right, this is another interesting one. I thought this was pretty good. Uh, the country of Japan is now having to relearn how to smile after the mask mandates are going away in the country. Uh, and so a school, an actual physical school, uh, decided they're going to teach a course in Japan on how to have a Hollywood smile. Yeah, really? you heard me. Okay. Hollywood smile. So you go to this course, and they will teach you how to smile. And they actually give you part of the course. Instead of getting a textbook, you get a mirror. And you hold, the, you hold the mirror up in your face and you have to learn how to smile again. Apparently, uh, in Japan, people, you know, wearing the mask, didn't really think about smiling too much. And so uh, some of the doctors saying the smiling muscles, uh, many Japanese have fatigued, have fatigued. Yeah. So they're not smiling anymore. So they're frowning more. 
And uh, so after wearing these masks for a while, they've had to learn how to re- to smile again. They're not a very expressive people anyways. Right. Yeah. And so now... <laughs> okay. Now they're getting back into it. The other day I was going to build a campfire. Yeah. You know how you pull out your old newspapers to wad them up to get the fire going? Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at all of these sports kids and graduates and homecoming queens all wearing masks. They look so stupid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So dumb. I know. I mean, mean, this is a section of our history we're going <laughs> to look back and be like, what were we thinking? Two years of it. I, You know, I remember when the masks started first coming out, and uh, somebody sent me a video of, you know, those paper blue masks mm-hmm. of them being made in India. Mm-hmm. And it was made in this dirty room with these people's feet. Yeah. And I'm I like. I saw that same one, yeah. No wonder. No wonder they smell because I put them on and I'm like, man, these smell bad. Yeah, I saw that same video. Because they're using their feet. I don't know if that's true or not. It's probably fake news, but who cares? It's still something that made me not want to wear a blue mask. That's why I started wearing, you know, the mask you buy in the store and whatever. All right. So my last uh, little headline that I think would be interesting to our, our listeners is that a town in Depain, Belgium, hosted a unique animal calling contest that gets everyone excited. I mean, the entire town comes out for this. Okay. It's like basically cherry festival in this area. Mm -hmm. Basically, countless contestants vie for honor to be called the best seagull caller. Okay. You know, you know, the seagulls that we we hate around here. Yes. They're learning how to call the seagulls uh, through a rigorous point system for tone, variety and inflection and even the costume. You could win a seagull crown that will be the envy of the rest of the world's coastal cities. Wow. Yeah. And Why the, are you trying to call them? I don't know. I just, <laughs> Everyone around here wants to shoot them. <laughs> or snap them with your towel. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Throw rocks at them. How many of us have stories where we're trying to eat something and we're yes. being attacked by a, just a... Or, or have been dive-bombed and, yeah. and pooped on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I've yeah. Had, I took it in the leg one time. Did you really? Yeah. Right. I was talking to somebody. I was trying to really be impressive and seagull flies up, poops all over my oh leg. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, my youngest sister-in-law, she got one in the mouth at a beach. and Pooped? Yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, That's a 10-point one for that. That, that. that seagull was like doing victory <laughs> circles up there. The seagull was like, yeah, in your face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we went to Florida one time, and uh, we had a friend of ours with us, and we sat on the beach, and we were getting ready to eat her sandwich, and she held it up to go in her mouth, mm. and the seagull went right by and grabbed the thing out of her hand. Yeah. I'm like, that is bold. There's a there's a person I know that uh, would buy uh, the hash browns at, at McDonald's. Yeah. And they were too hot when they'd come right out. And so they would hold it out the window to let it cool for a second before they'd give it to their children. Yeah. Seagull flew right down and took it right out of their hands. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. They're they're bold. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, whenever I see people feeding them, I just want to go out there and yeah. say, listen, do you yeah, realize listen, what you're you doing? Were, you were... <laughs> You're causing problems for the rest right. of us. We can't do anything out in the park <laughs> because of you and the seagulls. Uh, okay, so that's that's the three headlines. I think these are wow. worth thinking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Apple one is definitely very important for us to consider. The Japanese thing, I mean, basically, I guess we need to pray for them <laughs> so they're not so depressed and they start smiling more. Yeah. And this uh, town in Belgium, I think uh, they need some serious medical help, mental help, because, mm-hmm. I mean, why are you calling seagulls to you? Uh, and the the costumes are really interesting, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, the prize is not that great. Like I said, it's just going to be a crown. It's it's crown made out of seagull feathers. Seagull feathers? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! It is not worth it. All right, we're going to take an idea break, and we'll be right back. Well, here's how to have more. 
Know God more deeply, find lasting freedom, discover your destiny, and make an eternal difference. You're listening to more podcast. Get rapture ready with your favorite host today, Pastor Gary and Pastor Alex Norton, as they come to you with information that you need to make it through the times coming ahead and more. Okay, I can't I can't leave the last conversation. Okay, okay. my mind is stuck on the seagull feathered crown. <laughs> okay. Now yeah. now can you imagine yeah. when the Native Americans, you know, beautiful, brilliant people, yeah, you know, and they have eagle feathers in their headdress. Yeah. Right. Can you imagine the one chief that comes with seagull feathers in his <laughs> he would be ostracized. Yeah. Yeah. He would be the laughing stock amongst all the native people. They'd be like, get out of here. It's like what are, what you, doing? are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Everybody's got eagle feathers and he yeah, comes yeah. with seagull feathers. <laughs> 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 That's oh, almost yeah. as bad as somebody like, you know, trying to wear chicken feathers. Mm. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, look for a noble, noble creature. Yeah. Not something that's a garbage picker. Right. And yeah, attacks all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not good. Okay. Anyway, I'm off. I'm on that. All right. No, that's good. I appreciate okay. that. Yeah. Uh, so we're in Rapture Ready News. Uh, Matthew 10, chapter, thir- uh, chapter 10, verse 33 says, But everyone who denies me, Jesus, here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Uh, we found an article that was pretty uh, serious to us. Uh, Bible Bibles are banned in several Utah schools due to vulgarity and violence recently. Uh, the Bible was banned in several schools in Utah after a complaint from a parent made its way to the Davis School District in the northern part of the state. Multiple sources reported on June 2nd that this, <clears throat> excuse me, that this was real. Uh, the parent was reportedly frustrated with the book bans in their district and so decided to submit a complaint of their own about the Bible. Okay. Uh, and the parents' complaints also cited the state's law passed last year that bans books that contain material considered pornographic and indecent, stating that it's one of the most sex-ridden books around the Bible. Uh, NBC News quoted the parents as they were interviewed, uh, writing some interesting things that they put in their complaint. But basically, at the end of it, of their complaint, it said there's a whole list of nasty behavior that parents should not let their children ever read. Now, the question is, does the Bible contain violence and profane stories? And, it, and the simple answer is yes. graphic stuff yeah. in there. Yeah. Read the book of Psalms. You know, yeah. I, uh, I had people get up and leave my service one time because we did the story of Gomer oh, yeah. and uh, Hosea. And uh, we used the words that were in the Bible. And right. they couldn't handle it, and so they left. Yeah, you can't really sanitize it because there's a reason for why yep. Holy Spirit puts it in I there. I think if you read it in the context, you know, don't do these bad things, but they're going to tell you what the bad things are. Right, yeah. Yeah, uh, Yeah. so I mean, the simple answer is yes. We, I mean, I agree with this comment to yep. some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, however, reading an account does not give proper context always to what happened, and this is where many non-believers miss the point. They read these things, and they don't really understand the big picture. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the truth is, in Scripture, no matter where you read, God is characterized by both love and holiness. Uh, what do you laugh about? <laughs> because I do in premarriage counseling, we have to do a list of the um, the no nos. Oh yeah, in um, you know intimacy. Yeah, it, the list is really super short. Right. Yeah. But God had to spell it out. Right. And He had to go into pretty graphic detail because <laughs> humans always look for the loophole. Right, right. Yeah. If there's a gray area to find, yeah, we will extort it. Yeah. So, um, anyways. 
I just make me giggle because I remember when I do the when I do the list of no dose for premarriage counseling, people are looking at me like I can't believe you just said it. I'm like it's right there in the Bible. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't do this. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's interesting though when we think about these ideas that are coming out, and some people say this stuff. You know, we've got to remember, and I think most believers eventually get to that point that we are not like a loving and holy God. We don't really understand a lot of his thoughts and processes for what he does mm-hmm. because we are sinful and self-centered on our best day. And so consequently, our sense of morality and our view on this side of the argument is always going to seem a little distorted, little like, what are you talking about here? And it's because we are incapable of correctly starting to understand God without turning our lives over in faith. We can't, we can't really just dis- try to decipher what God does, but we have to believe in faith that what he did say is good for us, right? Yeah, and and you set it up really well. These people are frustrated because they got their books banned, right? Yeah, and so then they just want to turn it around on the Bible. Yeah, and it, you know, it seems like it's an easy target, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you don't have to read very far, and you find Lot and his daughters. You find yeah. a lot of things. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Uh, not good. Well, you know, Jesus Christ warned us to believe in him and give ourselves over to him. That's the first part of beginning to understand the God that we serve. And God tells us that he loves us and that we can have eternal life if we will believe that Jesus died for our sins and returned to life. True belief is evidence and a willingness to let God take control of our lives. And so the person who does not believe and is unwilling to be obedient or to pursue our creator does not truly know God and will not understand what they're reading. And Paul tells us that in Corinthians. He said, you know, it takes a spiritual mind to understand spiritual things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're not going to look at it and go, oh, I'm, this makes sense to me. Right. I think that's why we have a lot of times the arguments and dialogue that we have with people that are non-believers is that they'll raise something they think is obvious to them, but they don't understand the context of what it what goes into. Like the, I remember in apologetics, we talked about the mass genocide that happens in the Old Testament with Israel going in Canaan. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a reason for it. If you start doing research on the Canaanites, they, they were far from anything moral, mm-hmm. and uh, there was it was so bad that not just a little bit of their influence in anything would have been been devastating to right. what God was trying to establish. Yeah, they they sacrificed their own children. Right. So yeah, and you know the thing is, is that we always say, well, God never even gave a chance. He did though. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's accounts prior to Israel going into Canaan where there were people that tried to bring. Uh, Yahweh, Jehovah to them, try to let them know who he was, and they still refused and mm-hmm. believed in what they did. So, uh, yeah, if you ever find yourself in these arguments, obviously, uh, I would not deny the truth of the word, but I would also say you don't understand the context in that. Uh, right. You're not understanding it the way it's meant to be understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think it's a, a valid argument in the sense that you know, people do notice this stuff in there, but at the same time, I think we've got to be careful. And I think as we talk about the end times, uh, there'll be a lot of people that'll be looking for these gray area arguments Mm -hmm. to destroy your faith or to ruin what you believe in. I know that there's a whole group of Christians now that want to um, basically tear every belief that we have apart, uh, theological beliefs, doctrinal beliefs, and uh, they're called reconstructionists, trying to, or, or deconstruct, deconstructionists. Mm-hmm. They want to deconstruct the scriptures, and they preach that message mm-hmm. and try to get us to find another angle or basically find the gray area. Right. And uh, my wife, I was telling her about this, and, and she found an, a, a well-known pastor on uh, YouTube uh, that was preaching a lar- large church. It's in the southern area. And uh, the stuff that he was saying was mm-hmm. very much a destructionist message. Yeah. But it was something that left 
you uh, basically think there is a gray area. And, and of course, the message that I was listening to was about the whole transgender thing and that stuff. And he kind of left it open, you know, like you can believe what you want about this, but the Bible is very clear mm-hmm. on all this stuff. And I think if you look close enough, there is black and white mm-hmm. in the scripture. And so just because God is not saying something in scripture in black and white does not mean he's silent on it. Right. He has, uh, he's given us the Holy Spirit as our conscience to help us know and navigate those things. And uh, Jesus said that was the whole purpose of Holy Spirit being within us, so that we could have that God conscious within us, that we would know, even if it's not necessarily written in black and white, that something's off here and we mm-hmm. need to stay away from it. I don't know. It's just something to think about. I, it, it's kind of kind of scary to think that uh, the law is starting to get behind people like this. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that you uh, maybe in the last days will start finding people are trying to bring lawsuits against you <laughs> as you're preaching, you know, like, you know, absolutely. Pastor Gary talks about Gomer and, yep, you know, absolutely. Uh, and uh, I, I think it's possible, but uh, we need to be praying about this. Definitely pray for the people of Utah. I know that's relatively a, a Mormon mm-hmm. area, but still, I'm pretty sure there are believers that uh, are in those schools that are being faced with this. And uh, so you know, keep them on the radar as far as praying, but also be prepared. I mean, our schools in our area are not doing a very good job uh, protecting our, our religious rights. Right. And so, uh, you know, keep your eyes open for that. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Are you looking for more? Well, then you found it right here on More Podcast. Stay tuned. I think uh, we need to have the Critter Commander commercial. Yeah? Yeah. We had some people say, I've heard about it, but I didn't hear it last week. Oh, really? And I said, well, we didn't want to play it all the time. Yeah. But I said, maybe maybe we'll do it. Okay. I think we should do it and put it in here just so they yeah. can hear it. Okay? Right. So here, here it is. Here's the re-debut yep. of the Critic Commander commercial. Deep in the darkness of night, critters and creatures are stalking your yard, your front porch, your trash cans, and even your crawl space. These pets can dig and destroy important wiring or foundational structures of your home. If you have stepped on a furry in the middle of the night, you know how unnerving this can be. Hey, when you start sharing meals with rodents, it's time to call for some serious help. In 2020, a crack commando was sent to prison by a military court for a crime that he didn't commit. This man promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade in the Emmett County underground. Today, still wanted by the government, he survives as their Critter Commander. Thank you, Myron. There isn't a skunk alive that can spray Critter Commander. His reflexes are super cat-like. Raccoons give me a break, they can't match his wits. He has even been known to wrestle chipmunks into full submission. So don't let your home be overrun with problem possums or even menacing moles. Call for the Critter Commander. He is on YouTube, and he's a YouTube sensation with tens of, well, views. Call Critter Commander at 231-838-8239. Yeah, so we were uh, with the Critter Commander at that bachelor party last weekend. We were. Had a great time, learned a bunch of stories and some interesting (laughs) things that's happened in his life. And, uh, yeah, he said he gets uh, three to 4,000 uh, different uh, likes and things like that on some of the stuff he produces. Yeah. And uh, the funny thing was uh, when we were talking to him, he had just got a group of skunks, baby skunks. Remember that? Yeah. And 
He's talking about how he just collected like six or eight of them. Uh-huh. And I didn't smell anything on him. No, he was good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I learned at that little meeting that uh, baby skunks don't spray. They try to, but they don't spray. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Okay. So you didn't think you would get hit as long as the, the mom wasn't around. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so let's just, you know, so Critic Commander, you know, he's a sponsor of our podcast, but, uh, you know, Pastor Gary wrote that script, and I think it was, it was ingenious. Uh, it was good. I think it's probably one of our better scripts. So we got, uh, we got a new sponsor coming on board. Yes. Soon. Damn side in. Yeah. With uh, Steve, which is a brother of Joe Tath. Okay. And I talked to him on the phone, and it was almost like I was talking to Joe. I mean, he sounds. Really? Yeah, it sounds like him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to work on that today. I actually got a phone call going out to him today to oh, nice. uh, nice. you know finalize everything. But uh, damn sign in. Now, you know, that doesn't mean that those are the only sponsors that we want. If you have a business in the area yeah. and you're part of Harbor Light or you're connected in some way, mm-hmm. let us know. Yeah, uh, We'd like to get you on there because we'd like to highlight, you know, how the Lord's been blessing our church. And we want to, in, in a way, try our best to bless back by Absolutely. letting people know who you are. Yeah. And what, what you, you do. do. Yeah. And uh, there's quite a few. I mean, if you come to Harbor Light, you'll find out real quick. There's a lot of people that mm-hmm. own businesses in the area. Well, we are going right into our Harbor Light Bible trivia. And uh, the question that was last week was, uh, you remember? Yes. The number of times that Jesus cleansed the temple, which I did yes. reference in the sermon as you well. Did. Yep. And uh, I did have most of the room sitting there uh, kind of staring at me. Uh, and you can see they wanted to say one really bad. Yeah. But uh, I called on um, Kelly, our school administrator, super sharp young yeah. lady, and uh, she nailed it. So two times, yep. at least twice, Jesus cleansed the temple. Yeah, because I remember when you asked that question, it looked like you were doing a peace sign. Yeah. But what were you just you were I was kinda just kind of giving, giving kinda, her the signal. Kind of yeah. helping yeah. her out, the yeah. baseball signal. Of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because when you read all four Gospels, there's three that are like, yep. and then there's one that's totally different. That's the John 2. Correct. Uh, but the other three are re- usually the second reference, and mm-hmm. John 2 is the first reference. Yes. And uh, you don't always know that when you're reading it unless you, you know. You have to read the context. <laughs> you're the context, uh, yeah. yeah. You, you see Jesus has just been, you know, baptized, and he's starting his ministry, and he just comes off the, the sermon, or the... Uh, the first miracle at yep. the wedding, and he then performs this uh, cleansing of the temple. And uh, the the reference on when it takes place is completely different than the reference that takes place later. Right. And the the first one, mm-hmm. no whip involved. The second one, a whip. First one has a whip. The oh, second the, one, no ha- no whip. John, the has, one does, yeah, okay. John has the whip. John has the whip. Matthew, Mark, and Luke That's right. do the, not have the whip. Right. The the Yeah, so that'd be the second one. The yep. first one, John does have a whip. The second one doesn't. Yep. So maybe they're just like a little scared of him by the second time. They're yeah, like, they're like, oh, here comes here, this guy yeah. again. Get out of here quick. <laughs> Hide <laughs> that rope. <laughs> uh, all the benders are like getting rid of their stuff. All right. So we had some people that answered the question. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, because I'm new to the job, I don't have my phone here with all the emails in it. But I know there are people that answer it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really hoping to find Ben's uh, name on that list because... Ben loves answering these questions. Yes. Yeah, he loves He is a Bible student, and uh, of course, we are getting close to the end of the month. Yes, we are. It'll be time to draw for the new podcast Bluetooth speaker. Speaker, yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, funny because uh, some of our previous winners, they said if they did win it again, that they're going to give it to office mate or somebody and let them know, yeah, this is a podcast. Yeah, I spoke with uh, Mary, Yeah, uh, Mary, who puts her uh, answers in every week. She's really... Pull in to win. So she, yeah, yeah. She saw uh, 
Oh yeah, she saw Linda's. Linda's uh, uh-huh. had one, and she saw that one. I think, and she said uh, that she thought it was really cool. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. All right, so if you ever want to be a part of the questions and answers and be put in for the speaker at the end of the month or get some swag during the week, uh, all you have to do is type in uh, harborlightbibletrivia at gmail.com, harborlightbibletrivia at gmail.com, all lowercase, and uh, we will get your question and answer, and we will give you some swag. We have all kinds of swag, and, of course, we have – uh, podcast swag that's coming out now. We have the water koozies, cozies. Yep. And uh, we have some stickers still left, but we still have more coming out. I mean, we're always trying to invent new ways to put our faces on something, right? Yeah. The t-shirts are su- sweet. Yeah, the t-shirts. Now we're working on a vendor okay. to get more of those done because the vendor I use is obviously not the cheapest. Right. So we're working on trying to get a vendor that's cheaper that we can get more made and get those out because... Uh, you Harbor know, Lighters love t-shirts. They do. Yep. And they wear them around. Yep. I mean, uh, Joe has taken a few pictures of himself when we're, he's wearing our shirt yeah. in all different kinds of places. So right. uh, I just think that's a kind of a kind of a cool thing. So uh, the question for this week. Yes. So the question we have for this week uh, will be, you know, in preference, in connection with the message that we have coming up this weekend. And so I have, uh, I want you to tell me the difference between uh, when Jesus curses the fig tree mm-hmm. in Matthew and tell me the difference from when he curses the the account in Mark. Mm. Okay, and it has to do with timing. It has to do with when yeah. it takes place. Okay, so that's your question. When does the, the um, cursing of the fig tree take place in Matthew and when does it take place in Mark? Same event. You're going deep on these questions. Yeah, you got you got to figure it out. You got to pay attention, and you know if you wait till the Sunday service, you might get a little you'll, hint. You'll, you'll get it, but yeah, yeah. If you're paying attention, it mm-hmm. just really shows you how many people are really watching everything you're saying or listening to everything. Yeah. So then they answer the question. Uh, you know, it's questions like that that help you grow, right? Help you mature in the faith. Uh, so if you have the answer to that question. Uh, type it into harborlightbibletrivia at gmail.com, harborlightbibletrivia at gmail.com, all lowercase, and let us know what you think. And uh, like I've always promised, I won't make fun of you on the air, unless you're Ben. Yeah. He's, ben, Ben's he's off, the one. Yeah. yeah. He's off limits. Uh-huh. Yeah. We, ben, <laughs> ben is the one we like to talk about because we love him so much. Yeah. And he's a good uh, listener. He's been a faithful subscriber to our podcast for many, many episodes, and so yep. we we just like bugging him. So that's the uh, question. And uh, we hope to hear from you, and we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Well, here's how to have more. Know God more deeply, find lasting freedom, discover your destiny, and make an eternal difference. You're listening to more podcast. It takes time and know-how to build your dream home. Why not consider Waterfront Property Management and Builders to make your next property a reality? Your dreams, your way, that's a Waterfront Team promise. Located in downtown Lansing, Michigan. When hiring a contractor to tackle your next housing project, Hire someone who knows what it takes to make it exactly how you dreamed it should be. With over 25 years of success, Sean Meyer Construction brings the know-how to tackle new or exciting projects.
we are starting our new series on the on Jesus like Jesus. And last weekend, we uh, Pastor Gary talked about uh, how Jesus actually got angry in church a few times. Uh, and that, that seems kind of like an understatement when you actually read the passage of Scripture. Uh, but when Jesus is mentioned as being angry at church in John chapter 2, verse 13 through 17, it was a moment where we see him making a whip and turning over tables. So that's a, that's a little more than just, I don't like what they're saying. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he got into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, you, you kind of raise the question of this idea of being angry and kind of comparing it to how Jesus got angry. And so, you know, really, what is the difference between how Jesus demonstrated anger and how we use anger and the stuff that, stuff that we deal with? I would say, um, from what I've been taught, uh, most of the time when we get angry, it's based on we didn't get our way mm-hmm. and some element of selfishness yeah. where we get hurt, disappointed, embarrassed, uh, or we just didn't get what we wanted. And, uh, and so lots of times it's, uh, it's something that's emotionally driven. Yeah. Not all the time, but many of the times that's what's going on. In this particular s- situation, Jesus uh, walks into a corrupt system mm-hmm. that is exploiting and taking advantage of people uh, under the guise or under the name of uh, worship. Yeah. And that, that kind of takes it all the way to the next level, right? Yeah. And uh, so it wasn't just evil going on, but it was evil going on in the name of God. And uh, so that, that just pushed him over the edge. Of course, uh, he is God. Yeah. And so his house is being violated. And uh, and so we see where Jesus uh, stays in control, even mm-hmm. though you see a demonstration of his anger, yeah. he stayed in control. And we, we saw that by the fact that he took the time to make the whip. Yeah. You know, that takes a little bit of time. It takes effort. He was uh, cool, calm, and collected when he was doing that. And so um, we see that he stays under control. We we can tend to open the door for the enemy in our lives when we let emotions dictate. That That's anger, but mm-hmm. it could also be other emotions as well. Uh, when we start thinking with, uh, outside of using our conscious brain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, thinking of, <laughs> I'm thinking of back in my single days, you know, going on a date and you start thinking, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, you, you, you want to get, you want to start making out with somebody, right? Yeah. Right. And yeah. then you're starting to let your emotions, your feelings, uh, take over and that's dangerous. Had, yeah. Bad things happen when that, when you do that. So that's what we see happening. So we, as humans here today, uh, rage, uh, and we, and the, the culture in which we're living today, yeah. we see rage a lot more than, uh, maybe in times past. So Jesus was uh, moving in righteous anger. Yeah. He, had a, he had a reason for it. There was evil going on, and he uh, did something about it. I Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think it's interesting. Uh, when I was looking at the, the text that you were talking about on Sunday, uh, I also found that you know they were selling these items in the Gentile court, mm-hmm. which was not considered to be the place for... Um, items that were separate or to be used and sacrificed to be, be okay. sold. Okay. And um, it was almost like they were denigrating the whole process. Like, you know, we'll just, we'll just sell it anywhere. You know, if you're, okay. you're on the street, we'll just sell it out to you there. Mm-hmm. But the whole process of everything being sacrosanct, you know, being special mm-hmm. had been totally cleared off. And it was just like, everybody was just treating it though. You know, it's like walk, like Jesus mentioned, walking into the house, this is my house mm-hmm. and you're walking in here and you're just like, putting, you know, things where it shouldn't be put, you know, ripping things off the wall shouldn't be, you know, you're kind of destroying my house. Yep. And this is not the purpose. This is not the whole idea for why we had the sacrifices. I read that. And I thought it was interesting, uh, you know, because, 
you know, Jesus uh, was making a, a point like you brought up on Sunday that this is not good. And so not only were they doing that, but you also mentioned that they were having sort of this interesting, uh, you know, trade-off. Like you, you bring in this junkie sheep and I'll yeah. give you this one. Mm-hmm. And then the next guy comes in and gets the junkie sheep and then he trades it and he just kept doing it. Yeah. So the whole thought process was not anymore about holiness and about, you know, making this a special moment. I also uh, didn't have a chance to kind of make a comment on this, that uh, there is some idea that the people, after a while, they they found out what was going on. Yeah. And uh, especially when they're like, you know, calling for their favorite sheep and it leaves somebody else and comes over to them, you know, their, yeah. their pet sheep. They recognized what was going on, but they had just kind of thrown up their hands and given up. Yeah. And they're like, I'm never going to be able to change the system. And so they were just capitulating and going right along with it. Yeah. I can, you know, I can see why, uh, you know, God was angry. Jesus was angry about it. Uh, and, and it would make me think a little bit when I was reading that, um, you know, when we talk about our, our act of coming into worship on Sunday too, uh, coming in with emotions and feelings we have not checked at the door or things that we've kind of let slide and slack and, and we expect God to meet us there and say, Hey, you know, this is the way I want it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're not, we're not even close to that because we have not really got our hearts prepared. We're not really, uh, settled for whatever happens there. And, you know, um, it's not, you know, sometimes it happens, right? I mean, I remember raising our kids, they're, you know, young and they would throw a tantrum just before we walked through the door and you're, you're so angry. You just mm-hmm. want to, you know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, spank their little heinies, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's your attitude and your emotions now are, are out of whack. You're not really into it. You don't really want to be there. You just want to yeah. get them home. And, um, but there is something to be said for, us to really work hard at that process to, you know, make sure that we, we keep ourselves in check and understand the, um, the holiness and the, the awe that we need to have or this, this moment that God sets apart for us every week to come before him is not just something that we do happenstance. It's not something we just do because it's something we do every week. Yeah. You know, it takes effort, right? right? It takes and that's a lot what, of effort. And, and then we have, based on our last series, we have an enemy making the effort even harder. Yeah. And so to not give in and just always expect to take the easiest route or that it's always going to flow, mm-hmm. um, recognize, be, you know, eyes wide open. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, I deal with people that maybe have a loss in their life. Maybe they lose a spouse or something like that. And then uh, maybe their spouse was really connected to church. Mm-hmm. So then they don't want to come to church because they think about their spouse. Right, yeah. All right, well, now you're really playing into the enemy's hand. Yeah. Right? And it's not always going to be convenient. It's not it's always going to be easy. And there are going to be challenges come along with it. But we've been called as worshipers yeah. to battle through and to connect even when there's resistance. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is you want to offer your best in that that moment of worship. It's called the sacrifice of praise. Yeah, I like that. There used to be a song about that. Yeah. We used to sing (laughs) singing in church. Uh, Yeah, sacrifice of praise coming in. But it just kind of helps you understand the the background of why Jesus would be a little upset. Yeah. That it wasn't just because, you know, Jesus walked in and people were wearing the wrong clothes or they were selling the wrong items. The whole atmosphere, the whole Mm -hmm. uh, situation was so bad and degraded yeah. that it was not worship anymore. Mm-hmm. It was just basically, let's just do what we have to do just so we can get through this. And then people are taking advantage of it. They're yeah. making, making extra money for it. And the worst part was they were people that were trained mm-hmm. uh, as worshipers, like the Levites. Yeah. And they were the ones that were instigating 
a lot of this bad behavior. Mm -hmm. And people, you know, uh, just allowed it to happen. Isn't it funny that, uh, you know, being the high priest was a super big honor? Yeah. But then it kind of degraded down to the place where becoming the high priest was your ticket, your meal ticket to rich and famous. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there was a there was a real problem because if you read a lot of the the high priests back in the Old Testament that would take that that office, uh, they didn't live in the lap of luxury. A lot of times they they sequestered themselves to small homes and living out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, mm-hmm. they were not living in the lap of luxury. People did not come and bring them gold, silver, and myrrh right. and uh, take care of their every need. They were. Uh, there to serve the people at that time. And they took it very seriously. Yeah, I mean, when they knew they had to go before the Holy of Holies, which was the high priest's responsibility, uh, they knew that if they weren't prepared, they weren't going to make it out of there. And I, I remember you talking about one time when the services, a lot of times they would tie a rope around you to pull you out. Mm-hmm. Because if you weren't prepared and you know you got struck down because you were not ready, they had to pull you out. But that was a big responsibility. Yeah. But you can see now as we move forward to where Jesus is showing up, Mm-hmm. That that's not even a concern. It may have been a part of the tradition, but nowhere in the New Testament do you ever find these guys worried about the Old Testament customs, the Old Testament things that were so vital to the office. Mm-hmm. It's almost like that had been so degraded, so not in in concern anymore. And especially you have Herod's temple. You know, the temple that was that Jesus was a part of that went in there was built by a guy that was not a follower of God. I mean, he, right. he was just trying to yeah. appease these people. He was trying to appease the people. Which and, is crazy, though, but it took 46 years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's just ridiculous. And it was all built basically in his honor and image. I mean, there's there's parts of it that, you know, he actually labeled for himself. You know, there was mm-hmm. things that he would say, you know, I put this in here, or, you know, and uh, you get some of that stuff from the historical books of Josephus, but it was ridiculous yeah. that, you know, it had degraded to that point. So you can see why. Mm-hmm. You can see why. Put all this together, why Jesus was so ticked yeah. at what was going on here, because it was nothing like the way he established it when the first temple was built by Solomon, and we start moving through mm-hmm. as the temple was a part of the, the religious practices of the people. Uh, they had moved so far away from it. It was a building. Right. It was just a place. That's kind of what I, I kind of saw, too, in my study and preparation time, that here's a system God put in place to draw people to have a, you know an experience with him. Mm-hmm. And not not only was it not doing that, it was actually making it worse. Right, yeah. You know, that's that's the point that we're trying to make here. Yeah. yeah it, it wasn't was, just empty. It was actually doing the opposite of what it was supposed to do. Oh, yeah. It was super corrupt, right? Mm-hmm. There was nothing anymore that resembled the, the temple that God established. Um, and people are just doing it out of religious practice. Yeah. Which makes you think a lot about, you know, when we see ourselves today. I mean, we put it in, in mm-hmm. our context. Uh, you know, we always say that a, a building's just a building. Yeah. But that's sort of true. But the other part is the building uh, that has people that are actually worshiping God mm-hmm. is something different. Yeah. It has yeah. his presence in a unique way. Right. A, a, a different part of his presence. Yeah. A different manifestation of his presence. And you, and you can sense it and feel it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can go into churches where they're not. Yeah. Where it's just basically just doing religious practice, and you're like, boy, what the? I tell you, over the years, it's been kind of uh, refreshing to have people come maybe for the first time, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I can feel God's mm-hmm. presence here. Yeah. You know, and that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to connect with. Yeah, it's, it, you know, you, you may come in thinking like it is just an just an average church, a normal building. But the mm-hmm. truth is uh, God's presence is obviously here. God's presence is doing something. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you can actually touch, touch yeah. taste, and feel. I mean, very it's there. tangible. Yeah, very tangible. Um, so we get to uh, another question that's interesting about your message was, uh, what was the what was the big problem with the Levite priest selling sacrifice in the courtyard? What 
what was the thing that you brought up on Sunday? Why, why was it such a problem the way they were doing it? What was the thing that was so different? I mean, we just talked a little bit about it. But. Yeah, um, well, one of the things that we got going on, first of all, it was interesting, and I think it was kind of eye-opening when I showed the scale at which we're talking. This is a yeah. m- mammoth building, a mammoth courtyard, 36 acres. Yeah. Um, and so it's not super tight quarters. It's not like coming to Harbor Light. Right, yeah. Right? Um, so it's a big open space with some really the, – the Holy of Holies is over 60 feet tall. Yeah. Six-story building. Okay, so all of that's going on there. Um, they would sacrifice up to 250,000 lambs over the weekend. That was a shocking number when you said that. Yeah. yeah. So, so animals in the temple was normal, right? That's a normal thing. That's okay. That's, that's not what caused Jesus to get no. uh, riled up. It was, you know, the system in which things were going on. So it was a place of noise. It was a place of, you had to focus. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it was a place where it took some, um, discipline to stay connected to God. Yeah. And and that's true even in today's churches, right? There's distractions. Yeah. There are things that are going to be going on. You've got to focus when you're there. Um, I took a mission trip one time with a bunch of young people to an inner city, and uh, we're in a city park, and we're trying to do a, an activity and then have a discussion about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were told, listen, there are the people are not going to always sit down. They're going to get up and move around. There are going to be people, you know, throwing the frisbee behind you. Yeah. You're going to have to focus. We can't shut off the traffic and make them tough. all be yeah. quiet. Right, right, yeah. You know, so you have to focus, and that's the the atmosphere in which was uh, Jesus was talking there. Um, one of the things that we did talk about was this, um, the exchange money. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Bible actually says that you're supposed to bring in the shekel. Yeah. And, um, and so the Roman coin was the currency of the day. Right, yeah. And um, what was interesting is that you could, um, you could actually— you know, duplicate the Roman coin on your own mm-hmm. and not have as much silver purity in it. Yeah. And so originally the shekel had a mint and a percentage of silver purity that it had to have. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think it was 94% pure. So it's almost yeah. pure silver. So they put that in place because people were bringing in junky, yeah. <laughs> diluted down Roman coins. And so they had to set a rate. And then they had to test the coins to make sure that they had the same purity. So that's what originally yeah. took place. But then they started using it to extort and to change the exchange rate and all of that based on the people and who they were and what they did and how you might scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Yeah. And so then, again, it you know spirals downward yeah, oh to yeah. a, a corrupt system. So that was another element of what caused Jesus. I, I really I, I brought this out when I, when I read it. He knock the coins over, then he flipped the tables over. Yeah. I think he does that also. He, mo- he, he you know, erases the table with all the coins. People yeah. run for the coins. Then he can flip the tables over without hitting anyone. Yeah. So again, That's a good point, yeah. Another, uh, again, not a violent act. Right. Not something against people. Right. Right. But uh, against the system. It was a statement. Yeah. Against what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is interesting about the, the Roman coins is they always had the emperor. Mm-hmm. On the coin, which yeah. is an abomination to right. to the Jews, yeah, and uh, that'd be another reason why they probably would not want those coins being used for uh, worship. For, for worship. Yeah, um, yeah, and that, that all these things are just showing the the degradation that was happening uh, within the culture and the spiritual uh, hearts of the people, mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's hard to imagine. Um, that environment, but we can put it in context today when we look at our own lives. 
um, in, in worship as well. And, you know, we can become in that mindset, right? We can be mm-hmm. thinking in that way with a lot of things. And then I think one of the things that we notice um, when we um, take up our, our giving uh, on Sunday you know, there's a heart that goes along with that process. It's not yeah. just like, oh, here we go. I got to pay whatever the percentage is that I feel. Um, there is the heart of giving. I'm, I'm giving what God's laid on my heart to give. I'm, I'm giving all that I can uh, that God's given me the ability to give. And it shouldn't be a heart where it's my duty. It's, it's, it's a heart of worship. My dad used to teach on this, and I know you have as well. Um, a lot of people think, well, I just give my 10%, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, well, I'm giving so much because I give 10%. Well, if you actually look at all that the people gave, it was north of 30%. Yeah. Okay, so they gave 10%, but then they had a, a temple tax, which was their duty to help take care of the, the priest in the temple and the upkeep of the temple. Uh, then they were, had these certain sacrifices they had to make. Yeah. And... Uh, so it was north of 30% of their income actually went towards their worship experience. Yeah, yeah. So it was a lot more than what we kind of generally give. And then, of course, there's this people that say, hey, listen, there's no tithing in the New Testament, although there is a, a direct scriptural reference yeah. that Jesus gives to yeah. that. But uh, there are those people that say, hey, you know, tithing is Old Testament. Actually, tithing is pre the law. Yeah, right. They tithe before there was a law to tithe. Yeah. Okay. And then also, uh, when you become a New Testament believer, you give it all. Yeah. Right. All, not not just ten percent. Yeah. Of course, we don't elaborate too much. Oh on no, that, no, no, but, no. You uh, don't. Want to. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh no, no, yeah. no. Yeah. So what we have going on here, the application of this is that people were counterfeiting the mo- the money they were bringing in yeah. and exchanging for the su- the the shekel. There's a there's a point in which we kind of counterfeit our mm. giving as well. Yeah. Yeah, yep. that's true. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if you read the story about Abraham and Melchizedek, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that pre-law. pre-law, yeah, yep. predates the the formation of Israel, mm-hmm. and uh, he knew yep. at that point that he was supposed to give. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, I mean, you talk about this idea of uh, you know giving tithes and offerings. Uh, that was, you know, you look at Hebrews; it tells us to look at him as being mm-hmm. the man of faith. This is the founder of our faith, the father of faith. Uh, and so we go back to him, and he was tithing way before it was an Old Testament yeah. mandate. So, And they haven't even brought in the alms that you had to give to the poor. Right, yeah, yeah. Whenever you went by somebody who was poor, you're supposed to give them some, something. Yeah. You're supposed to give them some money. Uh, yeah, these are all things, but uh, I guess there's a, there's a real point that, you know, I, I could see why God would get upset, is that when all that stuff becomes uh, just what we just mentioned, duty, and not something where we are... Uh, giving because our heart is in it. It doesn't really, you know, seem like a good thing to God. God says, I'd rather have you. You give me your heart. He said that through one of the prophets. Uh, I'd rather have you give me my heart, give you your heart than all the stuff. I don't want that stuff. I can, I can care less how many things you burn, how many things you bring to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's your heart that I'm looking for. And and I think that's true with us right now is that when we come to worship on Sunday, uh, we ha- definitely have to make sure we check our heart. And honestly, when we think about Jesus being angry, I, I believe personally that there are things that when we come to worship on Sunday, we wonder why the message wasn't good or why the music wasn't good. We start beginning to be real critical about all these other things, you know, and I, and I really think that God's not happy 
when we do that, because not only does it affect us, but it begins to affect the family or the people surrounding us mm-hmm. or the atmosphere of the worship. Mm-hmm. It is not a good thing. And I don't think, you know, God's like, Hey, you know what? We'll work on this when you get out on Sunday. You know, it's something that God is concerned with at that moment that he doesn't want that in your life, but he doesn't want it to affect anything else. Yeah. And I, I know we've mentioned it before, like some Sundays it feels real heavy. Mm-hmm. Like something's going on. Yeah. Like there's people that are not dealing with stuff the way they should. Right. And they're coming to worship with all their baggage and we're all having to deal with it. Yep. Uh, that's not, that's not good. And right. and we need to make sure that we realize that this is a, this is a special time, mm-hmm. you know? So what have you got to do? Yeah. What have you got to do? Get, you know, get yourself ready. Don't try to counterfeit your faith by walking in the door, mm-hmm. acting though with a smile. Everything is great. And at the same time, you're just like ready to punch your spouse or, so, you know, something like that, you know, yeah. it's just not good. Um, okay. So the, the last question that I wanted to uh, ask you was, what is the overall lesson that we can apply to our faith journey now if we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you mentioned on Sunday, that was mm-hmm. the, the real catch for everything, is that we were looking at the temple, the physical temple, but we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yep. Uh, should we think about this a little bit more in our lives? And I yeah, think so yeah. the big question that uh, I think it, it sparked everyone's attention is what tables in your life need to be mm-hmm. turned over? Yeah. And uh, so, you know, are you spending some time with the Lord and saying, God, is there something I've put in front of you? Is there something mm. I'm conveniently trying to... Uh, wink at mm-hmm. we talked a lot about the importance of hating sin yeah uh if you don't hate sin you'll that th- my big my big quote was you can confront, confront anything you want but unless there's conviction it won't change yeah there won't be any lasting change and i think we see that in our world today where people are confronted with the truth but they don't have any conviction about it so they're not going to change right and uh so as believers we are called to keep our heart contrite to him soft towards him and that if he points at something where he says hey let's address this attitude or action or whatever it might be that we're ready to respond to that Mm -hmm. and uh so that he can flip over those tables and have us have us have a clean house with the lord so i think that was the big the big point that Mm -hmm. i was trying to make um as i was concluding the second service, not the first service, but the second service, I got super excited because um, in my preparation time, you see him cleanse the temple at the beginning of his ministry, mm-hmm. and then he cleanses the temple at the end of his ministry. Yeah. Then he starts the church. At the beginning of the church, he pours out his spirit. Mm-hmm. Then at the end of the age of the church, he pours out his spirit again. Mm-hmm. I saw that as a wonderful parallel. I'm no, going really to read that to you. That's Acts chapter 2. And uh, we see... Uh, an amazing thing. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them their ability. Then as you go down, um, this is a quote from Joel chapter 2. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Mm-hmm. Uh, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy and I will cause wonders to take place. Yeah. So I loved that wonderful parallel Yeah. that at the beginning of the church, the spirit was poured out. Mm-hmm. At the end of the church, the spirit's going to be poured out. At the beginning yeah. of Jesus' ministry, he cleansed the temple, and at the end, he cleanses the temple. I saw that as a wonderful That's parallel. That's a really good parallel, yeah. I, yeah, I didn't catch that. and then, I mean, I heard you say it on Sunday, but that was a really good good point to be made. Um, you know, the, the issue, I think, uh, when I heard you say, talking about evil and, and hating evil, I thought that, to me, was a very powerful statement because um, I think that uh, a lot of times people wink at evil. 
uh-huh. right? Uh, because it's the process of hating evil requires that we burn all bridges. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we're not going back to it. Okay, so this was a really fun point. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, they hate the effects of evil. Right. But they don't hate evil itself. Right. They, want, they, they like the joy and the fun of evil at the beginning, but that it says as you swallow it, it becomes bitter in your stomach. Yeah. They don't like that. Right. Right. It's what we do when, as a parent. Um, our children, are t- they're sorry they got caught. Right. Yeah. They might not be sorry they were doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, Paul talks about in Corinthians about there's a difference between godly sorrow and being caught and being sorrowful. Yes. Uh, you know, godly, godly sorrow leads to repentance. Mm-hmm. And just that's being conviction. caught. Yeah, that's conviction. And being caught. That's confrontation. For, yeah, you've been, yeah, you've been confronted, yeah. And, and I think that uh, when we talk about this idea of evil being a part uh, of our life and the, the sin process that, you know, we're constantly dealing with, um, we want to we talk about freedom in the sense that we are aware of it, mm-hmm. but freedom only happens when we walk away from it. Yes. And, and a lot of us are aware of our mistakes and our problems, mm-hmm. but a lot of us are not really willing yet to walk away from what the problem is. Right. Isn't it amazing that the, for the longest time, the, you know, the main church, organized church was the Catholic church and they sold indulgences. Yeah. They sold the right to be able to go ahead and sin. Right. Right. And we, we have <laughs> yeah. that same mentality, right? right? Yeah. I've been good for, I've been good for uh, 40 days here. I haven't done anything wrong. So I'm going to, I'm going to wink at it and just indulge myself just a little bit. Yeah. We, we, we find ourselves in the same exact pattern. It's easy for us to look back at history and say, look at how stupid those people were. Right. We're right. doing the same exact thing. Right. And I, and when you said that, I thought to myself, I got to up my game in the areas I'm dealing with, you know, not just know that it's there, but just hate it. Yeah. Like, you know, God, give me the same hate that I have for other things that I don't like mm-hmm. or don't want to be a part of. Yeah. In, in my life. It's know. really, really tough. And of course it was Father's Day. And so I was speaking to men as much as I possibly could. We're living in a time where I don't have to put evil before my eyes. It runs in front of it. Oh yeah. It's put before me. I don't put it there, but it takes a, a lot of discipline to not yeah. stare where you shouldn't be staring. Keep your eyes focused on God. And, um, it might mean a few less trips to the Petoskey state park, but you got to keep your mind where <laughs> yeah, it needs to right. be. I know. Uh, when uh, I think, did you mention that this last Sunday or was I did Sunday not. before? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. About that, it's it's one of those things where, uh, you know, when you think about, especially being men, uh, that is definitely a trap of the devil because I think where women, a lot of times, are emotionally connected. Yes, uh, men, it doesn't take much. We're visually, know, we're visually connected, and mm-hmm. so those things pop up in front of us, and it, it is a process mm-hmm. for us to delete. Yep, and uh, not look away. And I, I remember the pastor of scripture, um, a friend of mine, shared with me one time about Job. He said he made a covenant with his eyes that he was not going to mm. look mm. at those things. And I thought, you know, that's something yeah. to really consider. Is that uh, not only am I just going to say I don't want to uh, be a part of that, but I'm going to make it so firm within my heart and mind that it's it's going to be. Uh, well, you hate it. You don't want to even look at it. It's like you know, yuck. You yeah. know, I don't even want to be a part of it. And, um, you know, it's something I've, I've thought of many times in my life is that God helped me to make that, uh, a, not just a, a statement, but a covenant statement mm-hmm. to where I'm committed to it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect. Not all those times that it did it work out the way I wanted it. But, um, I, I tell you the Lord definitely honors your ability when you, you put yourself and you, you step in and say, I'm not going to let that happen, especially as men, I'm not going to let that happen to me. Um, regardless. And, you know, the devil, like we've mentioned in the spiritual warfare series, the devil knows he's observant of our, our patterns 
And and so he's going to put things in your way that he knows that there's there could be a possibility he can get you to fall in that area. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, is that eventually when you start shoring up that area, you start making sure that you're prepared, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't work as well as it used to. Right. And so what used to make you fall before, when you start making that stand against it, is not the problem anymore. Yep. Of course, there's always going to be something else that you realize about yourself because we're fallen people and mm-hmm. we're always learning about how we need to be more like Christ. That's a, that's the sanctification process. Yep. But uh, you can get one of those out of the way. Right. And get yourself prepared. And, and uh, so it's a good thing. Yep, Paul. Paul was famous for saying, "You know, you, we all know about his past, right?" Yeah. And then he had been following God for a long, long time, and he says, "I'm more, you know, more lost, you know, more wicked than I was before." Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're like, "Come on, Paul, you're yeah you're not killing Christians anymore." Well, he he's aware. Right? Yeah. That he's aware of more. Of yeah. God's. And that can be that can be frustrating for people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, Christianity always looking down at you know bad yeah. stuff in your life. Yeah. That's what we're up to, right? Becoming more like Christ. But, you know, like you've mentioned before, you know, we talk about the relationship of love that we have for God. It's kind of like a marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that you and I both, you know, you've been married a lot longer than I have, but um, you, you realize that when you first started the marriage, there's a lot of selfish ambitions involved. Mm-hmm. But as you move forward, you realize the less I, the more I sacrifice and the less I try to take, mm-hmm. the better off it is. And, yeah. and when you realize that with your relationship with Christ and what he's asking you to do, um, it may seem like, Great. I don't have an identity anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good thing because right. you want to identify more like Christ anyways. You want to be more like him. Yeah. And the more you do that, you find that you're, it's a better place to be. Yeah. You know, all the way around. You Absolutely. know, the way you walk in the world, the way you deal with people around you. Uh, but it is a process. It takes time. Yep. And uh, the more you're willing to give yourself over to that, the better off you'll be. Yeah. You got any last words before we go? Hey, just love to get, you know, have an opportunity to be on the podcast with you, Pastor Alex, and love the people that uh, we get a chance to minister to. Looking forward to this weekend. I'm already prepping for it, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. What is it called this uh, week? This weekend is uh, Trees Tremble in uh, Terror. <laughs> this yep. is going to be good. Yeah. Sounds kind of like a like a chapter. I got a really, I got a really fun. I got a really fun little golden nugget to share. With All right. Everybody. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Yep. Well, thank you again for spending your time with our more podcast and we want you to remember that the more you listen to us, the summer challenges, the better off you'll be. Uh, because now we are definitely fortified with more vitamins and nutrition that you need to deal with your spiritual health. And uh, if you take the time and add us to your current media diet, you definitely will feel so much better about your life. We'll talk to you later. We want you to know, find, discover, change with us more podcast tending transmission now 